it's exciting to talk about strawberries, but also a little daunting because there's so much that could and should be said. Um, I was just counting up. I guess we're, we're anticipating our 23rd strawberry crop this spring. We started in the we planted our first crop in the fall of 1998. So it's been, but the, the thing I like to remind people of, you know, they think, wow, you've been farming for 23 years. That's crazy. You must know everything. But actually, you know, how many repetitions of something does it take to master it? More than 23 so if you think about that way, we've only had 23 springs. We've only had 23 shots at growing strawberries, and there's still a lot of mistakes that we make, and we're still learning a lot. Um, but before we get going here, I wanted to take a poll of the audience here, and I'm suspecting that most of you are home gardeners or just beginning to, to look at strawberries. But let's just see, how many of, well, let's ask it this way, how many of you are growing commercially or interested in growing commercially? Okay, well, we have a few. One day, yeah, well, you got to start somewhere. Okay, and that means the rest of you, how many, well, let, let's ask this, how many of you have grown strawberries before? Okay, well, that's good. That looks like most of you, but why are you here then? <laughs> it's not as easy as you thought, huh? Um, you know, we used to do U-Pick in the early years, and people would drive up to the farm and get out of the car and... Just breathe in deep and say, oh, this is the life. I'd give anything to be able to do this. And I'm thinking in my mind, actually, I'm not sure you would give anything to do this. Because you don't know about the nights we spent up frost protecting and the challenges we had with deer and all of that. So... Everybody loves strawberries when the sun is shining and the birds are singing and the freshness of spring is in the air, but they have no idea what goes into bringing that fruit to maturity. So I think Barry would agree with me in saying you need to count the cost before you dive in. Strawberries are not an easy crop to grow. Um, in fact, I would say they're probably one of the more difficult crops to grow there's just many things that can go wrong with them. So, not to discourage you, and we will try to bring it down to a level a home gardener can, can understand. Um, but hey, you know, you got to start somewhere. And so we're going to, the, the nice thing about Barry and I doing this together is that we have, we're, he's from Minnesota, I'm from Tennessee, have two very different climates. We have two very different um, growing strategies. And that's what this chart here, I apologize if I'm in the way of anybody, I got to stand somewhere close to this, so... Um, 
Barry is growing with the matted row system. That's the way everybody used to grow strawberries back in Mrs. White's day. In fact, just an interesting tidbit, I'm convinced strawberries were Mrs. White's favorite fruit. Um, because if you read all she had to say about agriculture, she mentioned strawberries often. And whenever, wherever they moved, they were always planting strawberries. So um, we're in good company if we like strawberries. And James White wrote a booklet, I'd call it. I think it's 40-some pages on small fruit growing and talks a lot in there. It, that's on the, uh, the E.G. White app, I think, right? You can, yeah. So anyway, let's, let's just look at the differences here, the pros and cons. So, so Barry does the matted row. We do plastic culture. And again, very different systems, and they both have pros and cons. So the matted row, the pros are it's a lower initial investment. Um, how many plants per acre do you average? Is it around 8,000 or something? So you're buying 8,000 plants in the spring to plant an acre. With plastic culture, it's 16 to 18,000. So it's, it's at least twice as many plants. Um, the, so, so with matted row, the plantings last three, three to five years. You keep them three years Okay. Proven adaptation to colder climates. Um, up north, for the most part, they're still doing matted row, although plastic culture is creeping north. Um, less risk of frost damage. This is kind of interesting, but because of the techniques used, the plants flower later in the spring. With plastic culture, you're actually encouraging them to flower earlier in the spring. So you have to be prepared to protect from frost. The pros of plastic culture, it's increased picking efficiency because matted, and I don't want to say too much because Barry's going to be talking about this, so I'm trying to just go through this quickly. Um, with matted row, you're making literally a matted row. It's just kind of a, a mass of strawberry plants. Whereas with plastic culture, you have individual plants. And if you do it right, you can kind of, you know, pick around the plant. It's, it's much easier to pick. Um, better weed and disease control. The, you're, you're using raised beds. And of course, because it's covered in plastic, wherever there's plastic, you're not gonna have weeds. Um, higher production, bigger berries. Uh, I think an average production uh, for, for matted row is 8,000 pounds. Would that be average? Okay, that's good production. I saw things like between 5,000. Sometimes they can get up to 20,000, but that's not normal with... Um, with plastic culture, an average yield is more like 
16,000 pounds, so a pound per plant. Now, you get into areas like California where they grow them, where they keep producing all summer, they're getting 70,000 pounds or more per plant, I mean per acre, per acre. Um, less ongoing maintenance with, with plastic culture. You know, you don't have to renovate the, the plants after the season. Um, you don't have to water, weed, maintain them all summer long. Um, with plastic culture, it's a one shot and you're done. Plant them in the fall, pick them in the spring, plow them under. Which some people say, wow, that's a lot of work. In my mind, it's way less work than trying to keep them, especially in an organic system. So again, you have to weigh these. So matted row, the cons, I think the biggest challenge, and again, especially for organic growers, is weeds. You know, you can't cultivate a matted row. By definition, you can't cultivate it. You can cultivate along the edges and stuff, um, slower picking, you know, again, it, it's, you know, you're kind of having to look for the berries through the plants. Potential for higher disease pressure because you, you don't have the airflow and sunshine around the plants. Um, and you have to wait. Usually you plant the plants in the spring and you don't harvest till the next spring. So it's a whole year from planting to harvest. Whereas with plastic culture, it's not a lot different, but we plant in September, harvest in April, May. Okay, the cons of plastic culture, higher establishment costs. Um, again, you've got more, more plants to buy. You've got specialized equipment. Um, if you're doing it on any kind of scale, you replant every year, so it's more investment and greater frost risk. So just quickly trying to explain, by your raised bed covered with plastic, you're warming the soil, which in effect gives the plants a jump start on spring. Now what shuts strawberry plants down, or at least largely shuts them down, is the hot temperatures. That's why in California they go all summer because by the coast there, um, it doesn't ever get hot. But for us, it's the heat that shuts them down. So the only way to get longer, longer season is to get it on the front end. And that's what plastic culture does. It starts the plants flowering earlier in the spring but that means you're dealing with frost. And so that is a challenge. So those are kind of the pros and cons. And with that in mind, can you all see these? It's, it's kind of light on the screen, but I don't think we can change that. So let me just tell you on the AdAgra website, wherever the handouts are, I've got a handout on the way we grow them, which is much more detailed than we can ever get into in an hour. So go there, get the handout, and, and it will, 
hopefully be helpful. So this is kind of what it looks like if you have nice straw down the middle uh, between the beds. So we're just covering some highlights here. Timing is almost everything. So what we get in the fall, well, in August, for us, we're in Middle Tennessee, so you've got to adjust the timing based on where you live in the country. If you're further north, you're going to have to plant earlier. If you're further south, you're going to have to plant later. Does that make sense? Um, so we set tips around the 20th of August. Now, anyone starting out for home gardeners, I would not recommend buying tips because you have to propagate the tips. And a tip, there's a picture here, you know, strawberries runner. I think you all understand that. And then they peg down these daughter plants. Tips are just unrooted runners. So we get them out of Canada um, buy the box full, a thousand tips in a box. And we put them in plug trays, and then we have to propagate them under mist and a timer so that they have to stay wet until the roots get established. So again, I would not recommend that for a home gardener. So what you're doing is, is growing plugs, which there's a picture of a plug down there at the bottom. And there are many places now you can go online and order strawberry plugs. Now, I'm just realizing I never said in here anywhere the variety we grow. We grow Chandler strawberries. We've tried a number of varieties, and we always come back to Chandler. Now, if you're way up north, I know we've got some from Minnesota here. I'm sure that's not the variety to grow, and Barry will will give you tips for other varieties. Chandler was developed in California, and it's, it works very well for us. Very tasty, big berries, and so on. Plugs, so it takes about a month for the tips to grow, and then we're planting in the field around the 20th of September. And it's super important. You would not think... A week delay in planting would make a difference, but in the fall, it makes a huge difference. Days um, make a difference in the fall. So we really try to get them in as close to September 20 as possible. This year we had a disaster because our supplier, I don't know, they blamed it on COVID, but I'm not totally convinced we didn't get our plant we didn't get our tips until um, about September 15 so we're almost a month late planting and we've tried with row covers and stuff to speed up their growth but I I'm not real optimistic about this spring um, the only saving thing is we, we got some other plants from another supplier and have some, some that are on schedule. Um, yeah, so, so again, depending on where you are in the country, you'll have to adjust those dates some. 
And obviously, if you're going to get into this, ideally, you're going to talk to local people wherever you're from. Say, when do you plant? Um, you know, obviously, we can't talk about every part of the country. Now, you make a bed. You all know how to make beds? Well, hopefully, you make your own bed every day. But this is a different kind of bed. Um, here's some recommendations. You want your bed six or eight inches high. So on a home scale, this is some work, right? Shovel work, hoe work. Um, but again, you're not planting huge amounts, so it's just think of it as good for you. It's good exercise. It's good character development. But you're wanting to make a bed six to eight inches high, 30 inches wide at the base, and these are approximate. You know, you don't have to get too OCD about it. And in this picture, you see the plants are 12 inches apart. Um, 12 to 14 is kind of recommended. You know, conventional growers who are pumping a lot of nitrogen into the plants and stuff, they tend to get bigger plants, so they plant them a little further apart because you still want airflow and light around the plants, okay? And you can see they're, they're planted in a staggered row, and usually you want one row of drip tape down the center of the bed. You all know about drip irrigation? Obviously, if, if your bed's covered in plastic, you're not going to be getting a lot of rainwater in there or overhead irrigation water. You will get some definitely in the holes, but drip irrigation is really kind of part of the plastic culture system. Uh, so I, I put this picture up because this is something I've never seen before. I thought it was kind of kind of neat. They have, I don't know if you can see from where you are, but it's clear rather, normally what you do if you're, if you're covering a bed with plastic, you make your bed and then you kind of dig trenches down the two sides. And then, I mean, it's really like a three-person operation. You have one person rolling out the plastic and then two people, one on either side, kind of stepping on the plastic in the ditch to tighten it up while at the same time shoveling dirt on the plastic in the ditch to, to hold it in place. You gotta make sure it's really down tight because you get a good wind and your plastic's gone and that's a big problem. But what they've done here is it looks like two by fours. They've just put along the edges and rolled it up and got it tight that way. So I've never tried that, but um, it looks like it's working well, and it looks like it might be easier than digging the trench. And then, of course, on a larger scale, um, you want to buy a tractor-pulled bed maker. I see Kate in the back here. Kate was on our farm. She and her husband interned, and... You were there the year we did one field by hand, right? We did eight 100-foot beds by hand, and I said, forget this. 
because um, we were trying to intensify our plant spacings and our tractor pulled um, bed maker would only make six beds in the same amount of space. But I said, phooey, we're just going with six beds. This is too much work. So again, on a small scale, it's doable, but not on a large scale. Now this is super important and I'm sure Barry probably will talk about this too, but you know, some plants are very forgiving as far as how they're planted, but not strawberries. You can see here, well, I guess it's kind of hard to see where the, the soil line is, at least on the left side of the picture, but if th there's a crown on a strawberry, it's called the crown, where the leaves come out of the plant, if that is buried, chances are your plant is going to die. And if it doesn't die, it's going to do very little. I mean, it just will destroy the plant. Um, so too deep, I would say, is more detrimental to the plant than too high. But too high is also good. If you've got roots sticking out of the ground, again, the plant's not going to thrive. And, you know, Mrs. White has an interesting quote about planting so every root is in place. And, again, strawberries don't like their roots bent. You want to have them straight down. And, of course, that's why it's nice having plugs because the roots are in the plug. You're not we don't plant them bare root. You plant them bare root, right? Anyway, super important to get the right planting depth. So once they're planted, you got to really baby them in the fall because you're trying to get as much growth out of them as possible. By the way, I know some of you are struggling with sleep. I don't take it personally. I know you've just eaten and you've had a busy morning. So if you're struggling with sleep, you're welcome to stand up, walk around a little bit. It won't offend me. Um, do whatever you need to to stay awake. So here's some things you want to really focus on. Once you get that plant into the plastic, and again, on a home scale, um, you would just probably take a tape measure out there and poke holes every foot down the bed. Or if you've got somebody handy in your family, you might make a little jig, a wooden jig with, with two by twos or something, and just have a little, a little plug where those plants are going to go and you have a jig you can kind of push down and step on to poke holes in the plastic. So you can get creative with that. Um, we have a rolling dibbler that we just roll down the bed and it pokes holes at the right distance. So, but you get those plants in the ground and, you know, we're planting in September. For us, it can still be pretty hot in September. 
And strawberries don't like that heat. And of course, when they're newly planted, they don't have a good root system. So you really want to give them lots of water, lots of TLC. Um, do whatever it takes, either with the drip. We, tend, we like to um, overhead irrigate for two or three hours during the heat of the day for the first two or three days just so they're not stressed. You don't want them stressed at all. You want to make sure they're well irrigated when you put them, well, when you're, you're planting them. Make sure the soil's moist. You know, no stress or as low stress as possible. Protect from deer and other pests. Deer love strawberry plants. Um, they could care less about the fruit at least I've never, well, we don't let them get to the fruit, so I don't know. They may like the fruit, but they love the greenery. And I'll tell you what, we've tried everything to keep them out, and I'll show you later what we're using to keep them out. But you got to do something or they will destroy your planting. And if they if they graze it down in the fall or winter, it's going to definitely affect your production in the spring. So strawberries in an ideal world, and this is why they love Watsonville, California, um, would live in a world where it was in the 70s in the daytime and 50s at night. That's perfect strawberry growing weather. And um, so what you want to do is recreate that as much as within your power during the fall so they can get enough growth on them. So if you're having an, a, a cool fall, what you can do is use floating row covers to add some heat. Does everybody know what floating row covers are? Okay. So I like in floating row covers to dryer sheets, you know, the bounce dryer sheets that you put in the dryer or some people put in the dryer. Um, it's just like a giant unscented um, dryer sheet. Those are the lightweight ones. Then they have heavier ones that are like the baby wipes. Again, it's just a giant baby wipe without the perfume. Um, that's what floating row covers are, and those, those uh, will add heat. Now, I don't like the really heavy ones because they're, they're blocking out too much sunlight. So we've kind of standardized on a one ounce per square yard row cover, which is kind of a medium weight, which lets in enough um, enough light but not but it also keeps the temperature up more and then what you're really shooting for and this may be getting a little bit complicated but um, if you can see this picture I know I couldn't see it if I was in the back of this room but in, yeah, this picture, there's three crowns. You have the main crown. I don't know if I can reach up here. So this is your main crown right here, and then you've got two branch crowns right here. 
So the strawberry plant puts out those branch crowns and the key with plasticulture is you're trying to get, well, I, what I heard when I was just learning was ideally two branch crowns by Thanksgiving. Now, some of this you can control like with row covers or if it's really hot, you might sprinkle more, do some evaporative cooling kinds of things. A lot of it's out of your control. You know, you don't control the weather. Um, but what will happen if you get too much growth in the fall, if you have five or six branch crowns, come spring, you're going to have a plant with hundreds of tiny little berries. And that's just a pain. You know, trying to pick all those. And especially like if you're doing you pick, they just want the big ones. You know, they're going to pass over all the little ones because that's too much work to pick all those. So um, by trying to, to control the growth, you're trying to get a plant that is big but not too big. Because then comes spring, you'll have bigger berries and plenty of them, but not just a bunch of these tiny ones. Does that make sense? Are we tracking here? Good. I realize that there's probably a lot of unanswered questions, and we'll try to make sure there's time for that at the end. So then in the winter, you don't have to do a whole lot in the winter. The one thing we really like to do is um, weed and sanitize which is taking off all the dead leaves, any runners, depending on the weather. Sometimes in the fall, they'll still put out a lot of runners. And those, because it's plastic, they can't root. And so they just kind of die. You don't want any dead tissue on the plants, ideally, come spring, because that dead tissue breeds plant pathogens. You know, all kinds of disease issues. So we like to sanitize and weed like in November and late February, early March. You know, reality doesn't always um, make that happen, but that's the goal. If you can see this picture here, this was taken last year in January. The plants look kind of pitiful because there's winter injury, you know. They're, they're largely dormant, and the cold, you know, they, they've got a lot of dead or partially dead leaves. That's just kind of normal. That's nothing to worry about. But, um, you know, you don't want the weeds taking over the plants. Well, that's, that's just taking off any dead leaves runners, flowers. Now, this is a challenge. Sometimes if you have a really warm spell in the late fall or even this time of year, if you have a week or 10 days of really warm weather, they'll start flowering. And then those flowers will freeze and die. And then you've got dead plant tissue, sometimes like down kind of in the crown, which is terrible 
because that can cause all kinds of crown rot. So you want to get as much of that stuff off as you can. And I can just see going in your head right now. I just wanted to grow a few strawberry plants. <laughs> You're making this complicated. Sorry. Um, so strawberries in the winter go into dormancy. Um, and, you know, basically hibernation. And ideally, that should be a gradual process. You know, the nights get a little colder and a little colder. And finally, they basically stop growing and they just sit there till spring. That's ideal. And probably in Minnesota, it does that more than where we are. But again, this is maybe, uh, this would be a drawback of plasticulture. We tend to get those warm spells in the winter where they're like, hey, spring has arrived. And it's like, uh-oh, I guess not. So the only challenges that you'll have with strawberry plants where you can have some real winter injury is if it's really warm and, you know, the strawberries are just loving this perfect fall weather and all of a sudden, boom, you get a 15 degree, you know, what do they call them? Polar vortex or whatever. Um, that can do some damage because the plant is not in dormancy. So if you see that coming on the weather, you will want to cover those strawberry plants, ideally with floating row cover, and kind of buffer them from those extreme temperatures. Okay? Other than that, you really don't have to worry about them in the winter. We don't cover them. We don't put straw on them. We don't cover them with row cover, except if it's going below 10 degrees. That's when they say you can start having crown injury, frozen tissue in the crown. Um, can you save the question? Sorry, I, we're, for Audioverse, we're supposed to not stop for questions. Uh, yeah, so that's the only time we would use row covers. I think I was going to say something else, but I've lost it. Okay, then comes the challenge. Spring comes, and as we've talked about, they want to flower bright and early. First of March, you know, you, you saw in the previous picture, these plants just look pretty, pretty sad. And then all of a sudden, the first of March, it's like, okay, time to wake up. And just overnight, they just start exploding. And the growth is just amazing, all this new growth. And pretty soon after the new leaves start coming out, then the flowers start coming out. And then you really have to debate, okay, are these flowers worth trying to save or not? The first flowers on the plant are called the king flowers. They're going to be your biggest berries. So you like to try to save those as much as possible. But if you're doing it on any kind of scale, that is not as easy as it sounds. Um, 
So you've got to protect them from frost. Traditionally, on a commercial scale, that's been done with irrigation. You all remember your high school physics and how water releases heat when it freezes. You remember that? So the, the theory, and it's not just a theory, it works. As long as you keep adding water to your field, those flowers will not freeze. I don't know if you can see in this picture. Now, we always use row cover as well, so it's kind of double protection. So we irrigate over the row cover. But, I mean, it's, it's one of these miracles of creation that you go out in the morning and you're like this is incredible you know there's this much ice on the field but yet nothing's frozen how does that work um that's that's one of the amazing things about water so again on a home scale i would probably not encourage frost protecting with sprinklers because there's a lot that can go wrong if for some reason the sprinkler freezes up or you run out of water whatever you're worse off starting this than if you never started it because then you know it will freeze solid now we have an amazing miracle story i don't have time to tell you of one year when our pump failed and God saved our crop, which was incredible. Um, but normally speaking, water stops, plants freeze, you're in deep trouble. Okay? So the other option, well, moisture is deadly to strawberry fruit. We'll be talking more about this. Keeping rain off is ideal which, you know, <laughs> doesn't fit with this picture where you're, you're putting moisture on your plants. <clears throat> and that's one reason why I kind of discourage sprinkler irrigation for frost protection because you are actually <clears throat> exacerbating your disease issues by putting that much water on your plants. And sometimes we're frost protecting three or four nights in a row, you know. And I know some people, I feel like maybe you all had this experience, the children's, where they had to go all day long. Did that happen to you? I'm, maybe I'm getting confused with... So, you know, if you start sprinkling <clears throat> and then the next day, for whatever reason, the temperature doesn't come above freezing, you got to keep it going. So, and I mean, that can cause all kinds of issues. So you're trying to keep as much moisture off the fruit as possible. You all know about the, the dirty dozen You've heard about the dirty dozen. You know what's at the top of the dirty dozen, the most toxic fruits and vegetables? Strawberries. And this is why, because in the spring, you have a lot of moisture. And so they, they douse them with all kinds of fungicides to 
to deal with, with all those disease issues and um, they become very toxic. Okay, so again, we'll talk a little bit more about this later. Weekly spraying is helpful. There are a lot of organic fungicides, organically approved ones. Um, and I wish I, you know, this is why we need more research farms because, you know, I, I end up just kind of doing a little of this and a little of that, and I'm not sure what really works. What I can say is when I spray the plants regularly, they do better. But I can't tell you this specific spray or this specific spray because I kind of rotate them. And I'll share a few of them a little later on. So this is the challenge is getting them to harvest. You know, there's just a lot that can go wrong with this in the spring between frost and rain. And we've lost whole crops from rain. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking when you've spent so many months and hours getting this crop to harvest and then it rains for two weeks straight. It's just, it's devastating. Okay, and then comes the, the fruits of all your hard labor. Um, with the plastic culture system in our climate, we have harvested as early as the first week of April, which is really early. Normally, we kind of, April 21 seems to be kind of the key time when, when the berry, when we first start picking. But we've also harvested as late as the first week of May. So there's quite a bit of variation depending on your spring weather. Um, and we've gone, actually, we've picked strawberries in the, the first few days of July. So we've gone all the way through June a few times. But at some point, everybody's so tired of picking strawberries. It's like, forget them. Let the birds eat them. Anything. We're tired, right, Kate? <laughs> well, what we do is we have to kind of weigh, okay, we're spending this many hours picking them, and we're selling them for this much. At what point does that no longer become profitable? And that's when we cut it off. Okay, so you've got to pick at least three times a week. We pick Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. Um, in hot weather, you probably should pick more than that because ripe berries on black plastic is not a good combination in heat. You're, you're literally cooking. The berries are cooking. So again, that's, that's a downside to plastic culture. Plastic culture... The, the black plastic is beneficial in the fall, in the early spring, but come later spring, it becomes detrimental. So the one thing you can do, well, a couple things. If, if the weather's getting really hot, we, we, call, we do what we call picking close. Normally, we like to get, let them get dead red ripe. 
you know, because they, they're so much better tasting when they're super ripe. But if we know, especially if it's Thursday, we're not picking again till Sunday, and the weather's going to be hot, we tell everybody, okay, pick a little closer. That means they may have some orange on them, or even sometimes a little white on the tip. Um, but we have high standards for our strawberries, and people come from a long ways to get them. And then the other thing you can do if it's going to be hot is run your drip irrigation more. And then the plants are taking up that added moisture, and, it, and through transpiration, they get some evaporative cooling. Okay? I think that's the end. Yeah. So, oh, good. We've got... We've got 10 minutes or a little more for questions. So this is, so let me just tell you that we've rearranged it the last because of computer challenges, somebody else needing the computer. Um, so the next hour, we're going to look at some common challenges. And we've, I've mentioned some of them, but we'll go into them a little more in depth so Barry and I will, will be sharing together, you know, these are challenges of growing strawberries no matter where you are in the country. And then the third hour, Barry will present the matted row system. Okay, so that's the rest of the afternoon. That's how it's going to go. So how about some questions on plastic culture? Yes, sir. Okay, question for Audioverse, what's better, ever bears or what they call June bears, even though for us it's May bears? Or, um, I'd be interested to get, get uh, Barry's thoughts on that. My personal opinion, and from my own limited experimentation with it, is definitely June bears. Just get a good harvest, focus on it, get it done, and get it over with, you know, Everbears, and let me say this, Everbears, I think, work much better in the northern half of the U.S. Because, you know, no strawberry plant's going to want to be flowering when it's 100 degrees outside. So basically, in the south, Everbears become spring and fall bears. They, don't, they won't bear through the heat of the summer. And then the other thing, my experience with them, is you get little bits each flush. And, you know, if you're busy with other parts of the farm, you're not, you don't have time to go out there and hunt around for a few berries. Does that make sense? For a home scale, again, I would say if you're in the northern half of the country, you might want to try some because, you know, you'd have some for breakfast, maybe on a fairly regular basis. But if you're trying to put up a bunch, just go with the June bears. Do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think by the end of our season, by the end of our, we have a three-week season for our matted row. And by the end of that season, we really don't want to think about strawberries very much or picking them for another year. So I don't want Okay. Yeah, it's it's a bittersweet time, you know, part of you. I mean, it's it's really nice to see the money rolling in, 
because everybody loves strawberries and they're willing to pay a good price for them. So you kind of hate to see that end. But on the other hand, especially your pickers are like, I don't like strawberries anymore. Please, can't we do something else? Okay, another Oh, okay, so the question is, can you plant ever bears and June bears? Yeah, that's not a problem. If you plant them close, it's not like cross-pollination or anything. No, that's not an issue. So, yeah, you can do that. Question here and then here. Okay, that's an interesting observation. So he's saying... Strawberry in the south, strawberries grown in matted row are not as sweet um, as as those grown on plastic. I I can't honestly say that I've because I I don't think we really ever grew the matted row, um, so I can't really compare. But I, all I do know is that our customers say they're the best berries they've ever had. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good question, and, and I've thought of a lot of ideas on that, but she's asking if we've cut away the plastic um, in the spring when it starts heating up. We haven't. We, we have tried putting some, some white um, landscape fabric kind of right up next to it, which I think was a good thing, but... It was enough added work at a time when we really didn't have the manpower that we haven't stuck with that. You know, the challenge of just taking the plastic off, one nice thing about the plastic is it keeps your berries cleaner. So you take the plastic off, and unless you're going to put down straw, which works, and, and that's not a bad idea, but... If they're just on the dirt, that's a that's a really bad idea because they're going to get very dirty and they're going to rot. Yeah, so I, I'm open to ideas. Okay, question. Wow, we're going to, okay, possibly put woods t wood chips or straw on top. Uh, you know, there's room for experimentation. Um, I, I haven't done that, but it might work. Again, any of those things, it's going to splash on the berries. You're going to have more stuff on the berries. But again, if it's a home scale, you know, maybe rinsing off berries is not a big deal. Okay, so why not white or clear plastic? Well, the, the challenge is, again, if you remember, I said the black plastic is an asset in the fall and early spring because you're wanting to get them to you're wanting to get extra growth on the plant and then get them flowering earlier so the the white plastic would actually be defeating that purpose um, you know it would be ideal if you could somehow um, have plastic that turned from black to white at a certain date or something but yeah I don't know okay I'm trying to see some who okay let's go here here and here and then we probably well we've got a few minutes okay do we move them yes we definitely move them and I would encourage that yes yeah, so we pull up the plastic and the drip tape and 
plow them under, but we rotate. We, we have strawberries. We've got 12 plots, and three of those are strawberries every year. So every four years, we'll have strawberries. Best kind of soil. Yeah, we didn't talk about that at all, and that's because strawberries, from my research and experience, they don't have any special needs. You know, it's like with root crops, with carrots or something, a sandy soil is ideal because you don't have all the clay to wash off and stuff. But with strawberries, you know, I've heard people say strawberries like a rocky soil. Well, I don't like rocky soil, so we have a problem there. But um, I, I, I think the short answer from my experience is they can grow in a wide variety of soils. Now, you don't want them waterlogged, and that's why we use the raised beds. You know, any plant, but particularly strawberries, if they're, you know, I'll tell you, if you want a really horrible experience, you eat a strawberry that's been underwater. It is a taste like you never want to experience. We have one end of our field that if we have a lot of flooding, it gets, they can be underwater for a little bit, and those berries all have to just go to the compost because they're horrible. Oh, well, yeah, we add, yeah, you want, yeah. You you want to add organic matter, you want to add, you know, ideally, I mean, we test our soil and you want to make sure that everything's balanced and in good shape. Um, so yeah, you definitely, anytime you plant, you want to be adding. You always want to add more than you take away. That's a, that's a biblical principle. Um, but what you add, it's not like there's any, you know, it depends on what your soil needs, what you've been growing there. There's too many variables to, you know, strawberries do like boron in small amounts. But if your soils are low, low in boron, which I think pretty much all soils are, um, you want to make sure you add some of that. Okay, I think there was a question... Oh, yeah. Okay, interesting. So this is Fred Flint from Savannah, Tennessee, which is warmer than us, if anything. And he's saying they're growing. So though they're growing um, everbears on white plastic. It's plastic, not the ground, the ground cover. And those are, you're planting bare root in the spring. Yeah. It's hard to get them as plugs in the fall. So you can, so that's interesting. Okay, Seascape and Albion are two day-neutral varieties to try in the south on white plastic. Um, so interesting. Okay, well, I think one more question and then we'll. So the, with plastic culture, runners are a liability. You don't want the runners. So yes, snip them off, pinch them off, whatever, um, when they start coming on. But again, you're planting them late enough in the year that 
in a in a normal year they don't run her very much but if it's if it's a warmer than normal fall they will put out sometimes a lot of runners and so you got to just take them off somehow yeah okay well we'll stop and i think we have a 15 minute break right and then we'll come back and do some some challenges of strawberry growing this media was brought to you by audioverse a website dedicated to spreading god's word through free sermon audio and much more if you would like to know more about audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons please visit www.audioverse.org